This is the sound of your next shirt being made. But the first time you see this shirt is in the shop when you're about to buy it. You like the way it looks. It's surprisingly cheap. And that's about it. Most of us don't think much about where our clothes come from. And even fewer of us know what happens after we throw them out. But maybe we should pay more attention. Because worldwide clothing production has doubled in the last 15 years. And today the fashion industry is responsible for 8-10% to of global carbon emissions. It's the third most polluting industry in the world. And it's the second largest user of water supplies. In other words, our urge to wear the latest fashion has huge environmental and social consequences. And without a major shift in how we produce and consume fashion, the impacts will only get worse. So what does it take to create a more sustainable fashion industry? And how do we get there? I'm Josefine Volkwarts, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. When my grandmother in the 1950s needed a new winter coat that cost her half a month's salary to buy one, uh, she paid about 40 euros for her coat. And obviously she, she wore that for a very long time. She took care of it throughout its lifespan. This is Maria Collings. She's the co-founder of the Tardigrades, a sustainability and innovation agency in Sweden. If you pay what my grandmother paid uh, today for her winter coat in today's currency, that coat would cost around 400 euros. But the only difference is that today you can still buy a winter coat for 40 euros, the same amount my grandmother paid uh, more than 70 years ago. And that says a lot about the industry. Maria is participating in a Nordic Talks online event arranged by the Harbourfront Centre in Toronto. The talk is part of the Canadian Circular Fashion Festival, which advocates for slow fashion, skill sharing and a circular economy. I think the main, <laughs> the main problem that we talk too little about, I, I still find, is, is the overproduction um, and, uh, and how it still can be profitable uh, to produce uh, new, new garments and at such a negative impact on the humanity and the environment. One reason it's still possible to buy a coat for only 40 euros is because of overproduction. The demand for clothes is inexhaustible. We keep buying new clothes and the industry just keeps growing and growing. It's an industry that today is characterized by massive overproduction and overconsumption. Kirsti Reiten Andersen is joining the talk from Denmark. She's the co-founder of Honest Fashion, an online platform offering educational materials for the textile and fashion industry. According to her, it doesn't stop with overproduction and consumption. There's also the issue of waste. Just to give an example, then, um, in our small country, Denmark, uh, it's a country of only 5 million people. Um, a report came out last year uh, saying that um, 
they've estimated, and these are kind of estimates because um, like exact numbers are a bit hard to get, um, but there's an estimation that around 667 tons of textiles are sent for incineration every year. Um, and that's textiles that haven't been used. So it's brand new off the rack textiles uh, that never got sold um, and that uh, brands want to get rid of uh, or need to get rid of because keep, keeping them in stock is also too expensive. So we send them to get burned. Uh, I think that's pretty crazy in a small country like Denmark that we burn so much clothing, brand new clothing and textiles every year. Uh, well, it's very concerning to know that everything is being burned. Um, I, I think it's probably like that globally. This is Stephanie Crowchild. She's an emerging fashion designer in Canada whose indigenous roots influence her designs. As a producer of clothes, she finds it scary to think about where some of her designs might end up. It could be in flames in an incinerator, as garbage in landfills, or even worse, in the sea. In fact, 35% of microplastics in the world's oceans come from synthetic textiles, many of which come from clothing. You know, that's a huge concern to me uh, as a mother I have four children, so I always think about, you know, what's the state going to be in the next 20, 30 years for our kids with the environment and, and, but to know that, you know, they're burning clothes and to know that there's even clothes being uh, thrown into the ocean, creating microfibers that seep into our our food systems, you know, everything just cycles back. So, very daunting. The global fashion industry today is worth trillions of US dollars. It employs more than 300 million people along the supply chain, many of them women suffering low wages and poor working conditions. And it's this cheap labor that's been fueling the industry for decades. I've been working with this for the past 10 years. And I remember when I started doing research in this field, I spoke to people who had by then been working with these issues for 10, 20 years. And they're kind of like, you know, nothing has happened. We're still talking about the same things. Still, Kirsty thinks that there are signs of change. I think now at least things are, it feels like things are happening and and there is some good and honest attempts to try to change practices and business models. Um, and we also see out there that there are technologies being developed that can, you know, that saves water, saves energy, better chemicals for dyeing. So there, you could say there are a lot of good things happening. Maria agrees. I mean, there's a lot of projects going on uh, in the in the Nordic countries. I think, but, but through the whole world, um, and uh, some really interesting uh, projects to sort of scale and optimize um, mending sort of machines and things like, like like that. So there's a lot going on, basically. In Canada, Stephanie is trying to change things at the production level in her own company. As a designer, one thing that I always try to be mindful of is, you know, the environment and 
my packaging. Um, I don't use a lot of packaging when it comes to, you know, like the coats that I create. I try to just focus on one, one product at the moment. Uh, I don't look at expanding and creating a bunch of, you know, unnecessary things that I don't really need that, you know, I want to sell. Um, but, you know, I, I try my best. Uh, if I do need, you know, packaging, I, I look for the biodegradable options. Um, but also, you know, just being mindful of uh, the shipping as well. Um, I know I've had people, you know, from other countries across the world wanting some of my pieces. And I think that's one thing that, you know, it's, it's the shipping and, and, you know, like with Amazon and, and the, the CO2 emissions that I'm contributing to when I'm shipping overseas. Uh, so I try to be mindful of that, but also with, uh, just with my, you know, the product of the blanket. So I utilize a lot of wool and, you know, even with the wool, right? Where does the wool come from? So everything that I do, I, I try to be mindful of, you know, where's this product coming from and where is it going? And, you know, is it necessary? While new initiatives are emerging, the world's population keeps growing, which again means that more people need clothes. So in order to find out how to deal with this problem, research is essential. After many years of hesitation, Denmark is recognizing this. I am super excited about the fact that now the Danish state, you know, we have a fund called Innovation Fund. And they are now actually, um, they for the first time ever, uh, uh, given money to a project that is uh, going to do research on clothing and textiles. So in our little country, this is the first time ever that there's gone any funding towards uh, this industry. And I think that's quite mind-blowing since it's um, it's uh, Denmark's fourth biggest industry. And there has been literally no research um, funded through the Danish state or through the, the industry itself, or very little at least. So I think that now there is an opportunity to actually start looking into some of these issues in more detail. Research projects like these can inspire innovative solutions. For example, how to separate the materials for recycling better. According to Maria, that's very much needed. Obviously, the <laughs> circular economy or the circular fashion industry uh, needs to improve more, where basically waste uh, and pollution are eliminated uh, materials used for as long as possible and that need to be reused for new products. Today, there's a very mixed blend of uh, materials in, in garments, which uh, is very hard to separate them at the end use. But to close the loop of the textile uh, supply chain uh, where waste is not generated um, and there are, we see small projects going on At the consumer end, there are also things we can do. We can all start by just, you know, buying less and and using for a longer time. But 
on a larger scale, I think it's important that we also get more knowledge about, you know, what are the actual impacts of, of the different choices we make. Uh, and it seems like there's now, at least in this part of the world, a bigger willingness to actually dig into some of these issues. Stephanie wants us to take inspiration from the past. I think we have to go back, you know, like slow down a bit, go back to the past um, of how our ancestors used to not live, you know, but their uh, their way of life and, you know, growing their own hemp and, you know, making everything with hemp, right? This would mean buying fewer products from the fashion industry. And Kirsty thinks this approach has massive potential. You know, it hasn't actually always been like this. We used to have pretty kind of sustainable use of clothing. Like we we used to be really good at circulating stuff. And we knew how to take care of that and how to repair and how to upcycle and how to redesign. Like there's nothing new about this. We used to have those skill sets like really at the heart of, of the practice. And it's just like then mass industrialization kind of arrived and, <laughs> and something else happened. But You know, it's, you know, it hasn't always been like this. I think that's important to remember. So much can be done at the production level as well as a consumer level. But at the same time, Maria believes there's a need for partnerships across the industry and value chain. Well, I think, uh, uh, I can't remember where I read about the partnership is, is the new leadership. And I think we need to sort of use the expertise that we have within different industries, within different sectors. Uh, we have the, sort of the big, uh, huge uh, fashion companies and we have these uh, new social or green entrepreneurs coming up uh, with and their business model is usually sort of green and and uh, and fair from the beginning and and i think how i think we need to put all these uh, people in the same room uh, on the same level uh, it doesn't matter if you're a small business or or a huge business but uh, putting them in the same room and and together collaborate how can we actually uh, find a better solution because we we know enough uh, what we need to do but we need to start doing it as well uh, and i think uh, we're very divided in our society today so uh, definitely more collaborations uh, and partnerships uh, between uh, cross sectoral uh, is the key i think All three participants in today's talk make a living in the fashion industry, but they are also consumers who buy clothes. So how are they as individuals acting to combat the current overconsumption? Let's hear from Maria first. I never buy newly produced clothes. Uh, I buy clothes uh, from second hand. If I need to buy something new, I always ask myself, uh, do I need it? Uh, And basically, I try not to do any spontaneous shopping. Uh, I do a bit of research and um, I, I want to buy something that has a low impact on humanity and the planet, obviously. And I think uh, more and more people are as well um, discovering secondhand and uh, the secondhand shops are expanding, which is good. So basically, the um, always ask yourself, do I really need this? And here's Kirsty. 
research basically says that the best option we have at the moment in terms of footprint, it's buying secondhand. But then if I look at my own practice, <laughs> um, the secondhand things I've bought, I've noticed that I tend to use less, which research actually also then confirms that uh, people, uh, the secondhand items that we buy for our closets, we tend to use much less. So there's something there that's not completely working yet for most people at least. What has happened is that I very rarely buy clothing. Um, first and foremost, because I get really confused about what to buy. Um, but also because when I buy something and I find something that I like, I want something that's good quality. I, I've started only buying uh, natural uh, fibers. So I don't, mm, I don't want uh, synthetics uh, in my clothing anymore, if I can avoid it at least. And finally, as a designer of clothes, what's Stephanie's approach? What I've done to, you know, uphold my duties to the environment is, uh, like I mentioned, you know, going back to our ancestors and, you know, just making those connections, building those bridges and just gaining more knowledge on, on how I can help is by doing my own due diligence as well and, and encouraging others to do the same. After listening to Stephanie, Kirsty and Maria, I'm definitely going to think twice before buying new clothes. Do I really need it, as Maria put it, or can I find something as good secondhand? There's also the option of clothes rental and swapping. But if I do go to the mall, I'll try to find good quality clothes that don't easily go out of fashion. And then I'll for sure also be looking much more actively for sustainable brands. As consumers, we must continuously demand that there's transparency in the supply chain so we can make the right choices. And hopefully, along the way, we'll see many new initiatives to secure a more sustainable future for fashion. I'm Josefine Folkwarts. Thank you for listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Be sure to follow Nordic Talks on Instagram at nordic.talks and find more information on upcoming events, new podcast episodes and much more.